On this episode of the podcast, we watched Guardian of the Highlands. Starring Chris Pratt. No. And the Owls of Gahool. Oh, boy. Welcome to the Flophouse. Did you become Dracula at the end of that? <laughs> I'm Dan McCoy. <laughs> and I'm Dracula. Uh, uh. That's the count. <laughs> uh, okay, and I'm Stuart Wellington. I am Ellie Kalen, and I'm appalled by your lack of vampire identification <laughs> skills. Uh, we haven't been together for a while, so if we seem a little rusty, that's why. It's been longer than usual time between tapings. Yeah, I was out of town for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stuart, you were in the space program for a little bit. So yeah. you've actually aged far less than us in that time. We're yeah. old men now, but you're still a baby. Yep, I went through one of those black holes. Mm-hmm. Disney's the black holes. Mm-hmm. You ended up in hell, right? I Isn't went, that where the black I went hole directly is? into hell. You went through the event horizon mm-hmm. into yeah. sunshine. I didn't need my eyes, so I just threw them out the window, <laughs> carved a bunch of runes on my skin. And meanwhile, I was in jail, uh, wrongfully accused of murdering Stuart, who was missing all that time. Yeah, but I'm glad that Stuart arrived. But it was an earthbound jail, so don't no space jail jokes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but Stuart arrived just in time to uh, clear your name as you were being sentenced to death by mm. blowjob. <laughs> oh. One of the better ways to go. Oh. <laughs> so uh, this is a podcast where we watch a bad movie and then and we then, talk about it. And then we talk about it. And then what do we do? And then we go home. But then what? Uh, I'm probably going to go to bed. And then? And then? And I'll wake up. And then? And go to work. And then? <sighs> After Cycle, a few days, life continues. <laughs> <laughs> At some point, people listen to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And You're, then they tell us what we got wrong. Your mm-hmm. own child is not even at this point where they can be this irritating. I'm to practicing. You. Oh, I get and it. you are wrong. At times, he can be very irritating. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, Sammy, grown up Sammy, I hope you enjoyed that insight into what you did to your father. By the time Sammy grows up, there's going to be some kind of EMP event, and all electronic media will have been erased. He'll just be living based off what the sacred scrolls say. The sacred scrolls will actually be old comic books. Uh-huh. So, oh, it's a real canticle for Leibowitz situation then. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a comical for Leibowitz. Also, the name of my uh, my Israel comedy benefit, <laughs> comical for Leibowitz. <laughs> We're raising money Leibowitz? for uh, well, Leibowitz is is uh, he's not doing so well. <laughs> so, we're raising some money for him in his hometown of Leibowitzville. Um. So. Oh, God. What do we do on this podcast? Oh, yeah. We talked about that already. But this and is, then what did we do? But also, <laughs> this is uh, one of the best-loved months in the Flophouse calendar. I don't even think yep. it's the third best-loved Crack month. open your advent calendar. It's small Dig timber. into small timber Enjoy and out pops. <laughs> the smallest candy of the year. Uh, where we watch movies. Small Vember. It's that, Small Vember. All right. We watch movies that are smaller than movies that we normally watch. In size? No. no. Well, this one. Yeah, this was a short movie, 76 minutes. That's true. But and we watch it on a phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which was project- Small movie, big it action is what it said. a thimble. <laughs> <laughs> by, a t- by a tiny louse who was the projectionist. Uh, I trained that louse. 
and then he betrayed you. <laughs> yeah, he was his name one. was Klaus. Excuse me, <laughs> Klaus the Louse and Dan McCoy in Betrayal, <laughs> rated R, thirteen. Yeah, something that's something cute, taking a weird and disgusting term, much like Guardians of the Highlands. Yeah, well, tell that us a little bit about a this movie. Great segue. What made you want to choose it for Small Vember when we look at? lower budget films that are maybe a little smaller and more indie than we usually look at. And this one stars a huge star. I'm talking about Sir Alan Cumming. <laughs> well, Alan Cumming is not a knight as far as I know. He hasn't been knighted for no. for being Night Crowler? No. <laughs> yeah, ironic. Then we'll give a great headline, which is either Night Crawler knighted or just K Night Crawler. That would be the New York Post headline if they bothered to cover it. <laughs> <laughs> the post is covering the knighting, the the, the honorable titles of the of Great Britain. Uh, well, here's the thing: it stars an actual knight, Sir Sean Connery, as he is billed on the poster mm-hmm. and in the credits, Sir Sean Connery, because. Wait, you saw a poster for this movie? Well, I mean, when in the menu on the online for it. How else are you going to know who the guy is without his title? He's just some dude named Sean Connery. There's no one famous named that. Only Sir Sean Connery is famous. Although, if anyone finds a poster for this movie, you should mail it to the Flophouse. (laughs) Because we want it. Uh, And Alan Cumming is in the movie. And otherwise, it's a lot of Scottish people. Playing a gay goat. (laughs) Well. He's not gay so much as he's just sassy. And he's not a goat so much as a weird goat man hybrid. (laughs) He has human hands and he walks on his hind legs. And he wears a little Bruce Lee suit. Uh, As Stuart mentioned while we were watching it, he's... uh, it's like it's like some kind of satyr or or pan type. Sure. And you expect him to just like start raping wood nymphs at any mm-hmm. moment, but he doesn't. No. And I mean, he we don't see any wood nymphs, so we don't know whether if he saw one. That's a good point. Might happen. And I Dan don't know. Raises a good point. You have to assume he's doing it off camera. Using the animation style of this movie, the design scheme, I have no idea how to recognize what a wood nymph looks like. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you how because this was an animated movie. The animation is uh, what demo level. Yeah. Like. It's, and uh, and ex- explain that. Uh, it looks like the animation that comes with the program, the software. It's somewhere okay. slightly above food, F- food Fight and slightly below that Dire Straits video. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I mean, which again, for the time was cutting edge. Now yeah. it's dated. And uh, but you would know that it's a wood nymph because, like most of the women in the movie, they would have enormous bouncing breasts mm-hmm. that are commented upon later on in the film and are constantly in motion as the characters walk. I've been playing a lot of this computer game called Mount Your Friends, where okay. uh, men in tiny little uh, sw- uh, swimwear basically climb each other. And the most notable <laughs> thing about the game is that it has uh, physics effects on big floppy penises. And I feel like you can get the same result uh, by watching Guardians of the Highlands. Guardian of the Highlands. Oh, yeah, the yeah. flopping of the bosoms. There's somebody was working on the, the floppiest bosoms in the biz. It's <laughs> <laughs> a raves Dan McCoy. <laughs> About I don't know the Crazy Horse Cabaret. <laughs> about a about a children's movie. Uh, the uh, some somebody was working just on the on the uh, mathematics for the physics model of how the boobs would bounce whenever these characters walked around. But Dan, what's this movie about? Maybe we should talk about that. Because what um, it's about is saving Scotland's life form life forms. The animal. <laughs> life, <laughs> life forms. <laughs> yeah. Saving Scotland's fauna from. The- Big government. I think the fact that the normally articulate Elliot is so the movie opens tongue-tied shows how plot this movie challenged threw me is. for a loop. Well, it's a it's you know a, a brisk seventy six minutes, and yet they and the managed- first ten minutes 
are all <laughs> James Bond uh, themed opening credits. Yeah, they somehow yeah. managed to pack more and less plot into this movie at the same time than many other movies that we've seen. But yeah, let's let's go through it. So it starts with some James Bond style opening credits because, of course, sung by Shirley Bassey, Dame Shirley Dame Bassey, Shirley she's Bassey. credited, Who sang uh, the uh, gold gold finger. Yeah, the, the that's gold why gold all the, the gold, all the gold finger were gold. <laughs> that's how the original song went. That gold gold finger, <laughs> what a dead ringer. Scooby bop bop bop. bop. Watch out for his stinger. That gold gold finger. I said, uh, Dame Shirley, you're not a dame yet. Uh, we love that you're singing it, but we don't love the sound of it. <laughs> and she was like, but I haven't even gotten to the rap breakdown part. They said, we don't know what that is. It's the early 60s. We like that it's about gold. <laughs> <laughs> because it was a bunch of, a bunch of what, gnomes that were, or, or uh, dwarves that were doing this? Yeah, we like, okay, as right. mythological creatures who collect gold, we like that the song is about gold. As Rumpelstiltskin, I love that it's about gold. As the executive producer of the film Smog the Dragon, I love that gold is the main topic. Here's my other problem though that uh it doesn't really get across the tone we're going for which is more of sexy intrigue or really mention what goldfinger does uh he's not actually gold and she's like you've got to show me this movie before i can write a song yeah. about it all you did was so was tell me the title i'm not ray parker jr i'm not a <laughs> genius and they were like who's that and she goes trust me i'm from the future you're gonna <laughs> like what you get <laughs> yeah uh, anyway, so, so there's this James Bond style. So there's parody. a period of time where Ray Parker Jr. wrote every single movie theme, right? Well, all I know about is Ghostbusters. But he went by the name Kenny Loggins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you think? What's weird also is he Kenny, Kenny Loggins' uh, login. That, it's totally is Kenny's login. Well, he gets the <laughs> his his login name is Kenny, and his password is Loggins. Yeah. Not Loggins. That'd be too easy. Here's the thing about Kenny Loggins. One, you remove the S, and that's a sentence. Kenny Loggins. <laughs> <laughs> He's just out there logging. Yeah. So to continue, the movie starts with this James Bond title uh, parody, uh, which includes the female characters from the movie and the goat characters from the movie all walking around sexy like in silhouette yeah. like you would in a James Bond opening from the 60s or the 70s or the 80s, I guess, or the 90s. Yeah. Uh, they went back to it, yeah. For a while, they like. I guess for a while they didn't. But for the Pierce Brosnan ones, yeah, they when like, they were very like conscientious, consciously being like, "Oh, Bond is a sexist relic," so we don't do the sexist opening credits. And now they're like, "Ah, oh, the sexist opening credits are a kitschy throwback." Yeah, like when they had all those nude women using sledgehammers to smash hammer and sickles. Is that a thing yes? That, happened? that was either in Goldeneye. That was in in Goldeneye, wasn't it? I think he's right, yeah. but I could be totally wrong. Right in when you find out that we're wrong, boing. But anyway, so. Uh, that's the opening credits. Let's stop talking about that and move on to the movie, which opens with a night flyover shot of the Highlands of Scotland. Beautiful. Beautiful. Breathtaking. Oh, they really captured the sheer majesty and beauty of it. Billy Connolly from Head of the Class is talking to us That's about something. We don't I don't know, know for sure it's Billy Connolly. It sounds like it he's sure having a stroke. It sure sounds like Billy Connolly <laughs> is in a hospital bed. <laughs> sure. And his surgery is being done on him, and they rush the tape recorder <laughs> yeah, in. That's right. And, like, and he was this is the dream job. he had before he died. <laughs> yeah. They're like, now, we, look, we need to record this. This movie would make so much more sense if it was revealed at the end that <laughs> Billy Connolly was dreaming at yeah. his yeah. last moment. Sir, before or the sweet release of death. It says, Sir Billy Connolly passed away <laughs> moments later. <laughs> just in the last shot is him. The audience, and the audience leaves the theater thinking, 
Was he a sir? I don't remember. <laughs> uh, it's uh, there's a voiceover talking about how oh, back in the Highlands they had a great time, lots of adventures. They wore something out. It's not very clear. We never hear this voice again. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I don't remember what. I'm not sure what character it's supposed to be. I assume it's supposed to be Billy, the veterinarian's grandson, reflecting back. But I'm not sure. Doesn't matter. Later on, wait, in the movie, his son's name to- is Billy too. His grandson yeah, Billy too, the second Billy. <laughs> that makes sense. I that's mean, how people name people, could right? Be William the second, but that's. Yeah. But uh, we, I'm not, I'm not sure who the character's name is. For. I know Billy was the name of uh, Sean, Sean Connery's, Connery's character, character yeah. Sir, Sir Sean Billy. Connery. Thank you, Sir Billy, uh, which is what Billy Crystal is called. <laughs> By who? In my heart, he is. <laughs> uh, Seven hundred Sundays of laughs. <laughs> no, it's a sad show. <laughs> what? It's about his relationship with his father. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Mr. Saturday Night of Laughs. <laughs> 700 Sontags. His story, his play about when he clones Susan Sontag. A terrifying dystopian nightmare. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're always talking about how, about illness as a metaphor. But anyway, uh, so we got, we suddenly it's a night. We're flashed back, I guess. After that voiceover, forget it. It doesn't matter. Uh, Scotland. After the European Union, I guess, tried to get them to reintroduce beavers to their natural habitats mm-hmm. after that beavers were wiped out 400 years before, is what they say. Yep. Uh, the police are rounding up those beavers to send them away in orange Guantanamo jumpsuits because Scotland has come to its senses and it will not be reintroducing beavers. And these two policemen could not be happier about it. They hate beavers and they refer to smelly beavers yeah. and I think damp beavers Moist. or something. Yeah. Yeah, we it's it's hard to tell whether like the repeated saying like I'm gonna get that smelly beaver is a intentional joke or whether they just are Scottish. Is this and a don't National understand. Lampoon's Disco Beaver from Outer Space scenario, mm-hmm. or is yeah. this just like that's not a word that they use there? Scottish listeners write in. Yeah, is it like Fanny? Yeah, Fanny means something different there. Yeah, is yeah what it means, means here. what like a type of. Pie? Yeah, it means like a type of pie. <laughs> yeah. But it does. Stuffed full of beaver meat. <laughs> the weird thing is, vagina means penis over there. <laughs> That's crazy. And penis means soda pop. It's like dog tooth. Yeah. But but <laughs> the. Know, it's a real dog tooth situation. But the crazy uh, Javert like character is like, oh, I'm going to slam that beaver so hard. I'm going to slam that uh, beaver so hard and long when I get it. It never mm-hmm. quite gets to that point. I've got something hard for that beaver. A hard sentence in jail. But uh, it never quite gets that much. But these these two policemen, they hate beavers. They throw them in a truck. They're driving down a perilous mountain passage. Sure. And a an overweight rabbit in a pink jumpsuit mm-hmm. appears seemingly out mm-hmm. of nowhere uh, as it materialized by the plot gods. And the truck driver, who wasn't paying attention... He sees the, the rabbit and, and He has swerves. some kind of a, a candy bar emergency. Yeah, he's, he's trying to get a candy bar out of a wrapper, and it's it's really yeah. not since Will Arnett crashed a truck because he was looking at Megan Fox's butt in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles mm-hmm. as the character had a dumber reason for crashing a truck. <laughs> mm-hmm. But the truck crashes, all the beavers, their crates fall out the back, all of almost all of are killed, and we know that for sure because the police officer goes down and picks up a dead body and throws it into a crate. <laughs> yeah, this is the first indication that this is going to be the saddest animated movie. This is. Mm-hmm. There were times in this movie, yeah, we were talking about it was like someone tried to outdo Grave of the Fireflies, mm-hmm. Plague Dogs, the, the Plague Dogs, Watership Down, or like. Or, uh, was is it where the wind blows or when the wind blows? The, yeah, when uh, the wind blows. When the wind blows, like the Raymond Briggs uh, nuclear. Uh, movie, the British movie yeah. about the elderly couple who died. Oh my god! Radiation uh. poisoning. 
that's that's like a like a nuclear version of the snowman where that fucking snowman gets built, hangs out with the kid, and then he just melts. Well, I think it's the same, same guy. Yeah. Yeah. Sad as shit, he dude. He was all about teaching kids about death. Yeah. Uh, he so. It's like there are times in the movie where I'm like, can't I just watch an old British couple have their teeth fall out from radiation <laughs> and get slowly weaker because of the, the mistakes made by the state? But uh, not the comedy group, the state. The biggest mistake, of course, <laughs> signing with CBS. Mm. But uh, the, it turned uh, out for them in the end. Most of them. Uh, I mean, in that many of them were so talented they had other careers. But, yeah, there you mm-hmm. go. Michael uh, Showalter looks great. Sure. I don't know. <laughs> what? Am I supposed to? I don't endorse Stewart's sarcastic dissing of Mark Milo Showalter. I don't, I'm going to stay out of it. Uh, so here's what happens. One beaver escapes. Her name is Bessie Boo or something like that. Yeah. Because when you, yes. think, when you think Bessie, what animal do you think? A beaver, of course. Mm-hmm. Not a cow, the only animal named Bessie, but whatever. But that beaver escapes and is taken into refuge by the rabbit who caused the accident. Flash forward... Well, like five years or something? Yeah, at least. And at least, probably, and like, probably 100 years. There's like a digital readout <laughs> yeah. on the screen that says, like, all of the beavers were taken out of the country, but one beaver still remains. And it's like, but it also tracked. it's like 10.08 a.m. Yeah. Like beaver time or something like that. <laughs> yeah, there's they, enough they really facts to make, make it out like this is a real thing that happened. Yeah. And, and kids are will get confused. They'll wonder if this is a true story. Of yeah. course it is. This so, declassified information finally came out. <laughs> yeah, Edward yeah. Snowden found it. Project Beaver Book was finally released by WikiLeaks. Yeah. <laughs> and it turns out it was uh, it was this story. So we're in the town of something or other. I can't remember the name of the town, and this movie has no Wikipedia entry, so I can't look it up. <laughs> and it's a little village in the highlands of Scotland. Small timber indeed. <laughs> small Vember. <laughs> it's called Small Vember September <laughs> by me. Uh you can call it small timber if you want. I'm sorry, Dan. I'm being a little too harsh. Oh, it's fine. It's a small wonder that you put up with me. Elliot uh, reached out and tenderly touched the back of my hand mm-hmm. for the listeners at home. With my fingers. And now he's unbuttoning his pants, Elliot. I use a button fly. Is that what shocked you? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. I find a, I find a make zipper fly still? much more. Oh, I'm wearing one myself. A button fly? Yeah. It's not very what convenient. Are those, like, it's are those incredibly are those, inconvenient. If you have to pee, you're like, I do not recommend like, I might have to pee in five minutes. Let me get started. Are those Bugle Boy jeans you're wearing, Dan? Um, I With mean, his, they're covered in dust from bugles. Okay. With your British knight sneakers? Yeah. Speaking of British knights, or Scottish knights, rather, Sean Connery's in this movie. But we haven't gotten to him yet. Sc- Scottish knights sounds like their version of silk stockings. <laughs> <laughs> It's like a sexy man and woman both wearing kilts. <laughs> I mean, for the woman, it's just a skirt. Yeah. Uh, on on the uh, on the it wouldn't be on the USA because that's American shows. Yeah. That would be the, what, what and would characters be? are welcome there. And Scottish now knights, there's no characters. Back then, characters were not welcome. <laughs> we, we, we got another. We got another dead body. Another one killed with too much sex. <laughs> anyway, down at the sex factory. Now I never saw Silk Stockings, so I assume that was every episode was somebody killed with sex. Oh, definitely. That's what I. <laughs> what about Pacific Blue? Or like at the sex at the sexy saxophone <laughs> music store. Somebody was was murdered with a sexy saxophone. Yeah. We believe there's a high. It was found under this under this. Uh, Nightlight. This uh, this lamp post. <laughs> That's right. They're found nude with sparks flying around. Them. Yeah. 
The only evidence is this discarded trench coat. It never rains around here, but it's always kind of damp in the air. <laughs> Everyone's always a little sweaty. Mm. Anyway. Moisten. <laughs> so silk stockings. Yeah. I guess it's on DVD. Go check it out. Yeah. <laughs> on Blu-ray. Uh, so it's probably on YouTube. So that beaver escaped. Flash forward to this village where... I'm trying to remember which of the things that does. We're that introduced were totally to unrelated. a flying duck character. That's right. The, <laughs> who is the new narrator? <laughs> As real... su- this southern from U.S. South, you know, like yeah. from this, yeah, yeah, a Amer- lady launch pad. <laughs> yes. Yeah, kind of lady launch well, launch pad, pad s, a launch packs. She, uh, she's a duck who's flying a plane who turns the camera and explains to us that she took a wrong turn or somebody gave her wrong directions and she's in Scotland when she's supposed to be in Florida enjoying her vacation. She talks about this for a while. She's super sassy, but she already knows everyone in town. Like she's made this mistake before. Her name's Vicky. She's a duck. Uh, and this is when my son, who loves ducks, would love this movie, mm-hmm. but not the parts where she's not in it. He wouldn't like that. Now, does he love ducks enough that he's now... That he wrote a screenplay called <laughs> Must Love Ducks? Yes. I'm just imagining... John Cusack is attached to not star in it. <laughs> no, I just wonder at what point uh, children are able to recognize, like, oh, that thing on the screen that looks like a cartoon duck is a duck. Oh, certainly, yeah. Yeah, he's 20 months old, so he can recognize... He, if you show him an illustration of a duck, he knows it's a duck. Yeah, right. so if you put, like, I don't know, like a fake bill on and <laughs> stuck, like, some feather, like a feather duster on your butt, like, right yeah. yeah. from to seduce the, uh, fun. <laughs> like a, sort of a horrible hop frog situation. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so why, how, how do I, why am I covered in tar and burning at the end of this role play I'm doing with my son? Uh, because your wife has mistaken you for some sort of horrible interloper. and uh, uh, I see, that makes sense. It's like the costume that uh, Fox Robin Hood wears when he dresses up like a stork. Yeah, that guy is a fox. Yeah. I, I mean... I mean, those were like... We can agree that that's where furries came from, right? Those, yeah. From that <laughs> like Disney that's the Robin cutest Hood? and the most handsome like uh, animated animals. I think it was when, after they did that movie, they were, that Disney was like, we got to back the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. We went too far. <laughs> Robin Hood and Maid Marian are too sexy. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to screw up a lot of kids. <laughs> from now on, we're just doing movies like Home on the Range, where the animals are not sexy at all. We have anthropomorphized them too much. If we're doing we'll any sexy characters, real cows. they better be human beings or at least human from the waist up yeah. with like a fish's tail underneath. Because yeah. that's sexier than human legs. Am I right, guys? Guys, where are you going? <laughs> I'm Michael Eisner. You can't just walk out of my office. Mermaids are sexier than people. Yeah, that's what happened to Michael Eisner. Yeah. That's how he got ousted. That's when Don, <laughs> Bluth, got, Don Bluth got banished to Balto Land. <laughs> to Balto Land. He, well, the problem was he kept pushing that pebble in the penguin, penguin script on mm-hmm. everybody, and they just couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> My brother always pointed out that the, the, the distinguishing characteristic of a Don Bluth animated character was the amount that the butts would waggle. <laughs> <laughs> Just like a lot of I've butt waggling. I've never wagging. noticed that. That's uh, true. Yeah, it's but, a fa- that's that, a family trait of the McCoys, I guess. That Dom DeLuise cat in American Tale really goes crazy with his butt. Yeah. yeah. That was Don Bluth, right? Yeah, that was Don Bluth. Uh, he he was, had a story. He had a, you know an interest in Jewish tales, right? Really? I said, well, American Tale, they're... No, sure. I mean, I just didn't know whether beyond that there was other... Well, that Anastasia. Norm or the Troll in Central Park or whatever, probably. You assume. Uh, and the it's like how you can you can uh, date a certain period for Chuck Jones's work when all the characters got those stupid fucking eyelashes. Oh, man. And they all Maybe look... Yeah, I got wrinkled around their faces whenever they moved any muscle in their face. It's like Chuck Jones made these brilliant cartoons for Warner Brothers and didn't get rich off them. 
and then saw that Walt Disney got rich with cute characters, and he was like, well, fuck you, America. I'll give you the cutest fucking characters ever. Yeah. Everyone's going to have fucking doe eyes. And that worked precisely once, which is uh, The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. Yeah, that's true. There looks good. They never caught mm-hmm. the guy. <laughs> no. Christmas remains missing to this day. They, every now and then they'll dig up uh, the Meadowlands to see if the body was buried there of Christmas. Mm-hmm. What have I been celebrating all these years? You, what you've been celebrating is actually Christmas, which is a substitute created by the U.S. government to replace Christmas. Oh. What did they teach know. you in AP U.S. history? <laughs> Still tastes pretty good. You were in AP U.S. history? Yep. All penis. <laughs> It was all the history of Lyndon Johnson, Andrew Johnson, (laughs) long time, uh, uh, John Thomas Jefferson. (laughs) Sure. Wood, Roe Wilson, Warren G. Harding, Warren G. Hardon, I guess I should have just said. Uh, Abraham Lincoln Log. Yeah, I'm not going to be able to add any. Michael Moorcock. That's not a president. That's, he's an English writer of books that sound better in description than when you read them. That's what he does. Anyway. Dick Nixon. But, yeah, right? okay. Yeah, well, we're fruit. still doing this, I guess. I guess. If you're going to pick up the moldy peaches that fell off the tree, sure. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> anyway, so we were like, we're like eight minutes into this yeah, movie. I'm sorry. So this duck There's is no flying around, film, and though. she narrates. We leave the duck, and we see this town where there's some kids who deliver milk by hurling cartons of it at people's stomachs through their windows. That never comes up again. Yeah. Then we're introduced to a big-bosomed New Yorker who yep. lives in this little town who wants to buy cakes from a— Some kind of pie. Some kind of fat pie ones. from a store. And she, yeah, she says, Get me, hold on, save me three fat ones with a PH, and then rides away on her American flag moped. <laughs> she comes up later. So does the other guy, but barely. Then we're introduced yeah. to the hero of the film, mm-hmm. Sir Billy, a veterinarian, I guess, yeah. who is stylishly clad in overalls, a yellow shirt, and a yellow tie. <laughs> the yellow tie is tucked into the overalls. <laughs> texture, texture, his tie and shirt are the exact same material, I guess. <laughs> I mean, that's he got him made from the same place. He must have bought a bolt of fabric, and he just decided to make a whole. How out of expensive it. would it have been to change the color of one of those two things? <laughs> Do they just have a ton of extra yellow, yeah. I don't know, computer ink? What are they doing? That extra $10 would have broken the bank on this movie. Yeah. Uh, and the uh, and he has, he has a mustache, which appears to be a length of PVC tubing that he has stuck yeah. under his Except nose. it like moves when his lips move in a weird that follows the curvature of his lips in a way that mustaches don't work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a little steel wooly. It's like the boobs. It's one of those weird instances where it's like, no, 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 put less effort into the animation here. That doesn't need to move as much as it's actually moving. <laughs> it would look realer if it moved less. But anyway, he has this Goatman sidekick, played by Alan Cumming, yep. who seems to, much like Ren in Ren and Stimpy cartoons, change size from scene to scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Like how Ren would be the size of Stimpy, but then he'd get to a point where he could fit inside Stimpy's mouth. Yeah. Now, an interesting... Uh, did we cover that he's dressed like Uma Thurman and Kill Bill? Was that no, mentioned? He, well, you mentioned it was a Bruce Lee outfit. Yeah, with little driving gloves. He's okay. dressed like Uma Thurman and Kill Bill. I think that's a reference. That's a reference. And right. it's an interesting design choice that his horns, unlike an actual animal's horns, which go from light uh, toward the skull to dark toward the tips, huh. go from light to green for some reason. I didn't know that, Stuart. Maybe that represents that he is the forest spirit. <laughs> Stuart has his <laughs> animal husbandry bag. <laughs> You married an animal? I did. You're the husband of an animal? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's uh, a sitcom. I married an animal. <laughs> it's him in jail. <laughs> it's not legal. 
<laughs> but what if it was? <gasps> so marrying a fucking genie's legal? <laughs> nobody knows she's a genie. See, that's the thing. Maybe like nobody, nobody knows it's an animal. Nobody knows Samantha's a witch. What, so you dress up the animal in clothes? Why not? Uh, my boss is coming over for dinner tonight. Honey, don't forget to wear your human latex mask. Dude, Alf walks around and he's an alien. Yeah. Nobody he does anything. He delivers a baby at one point. <laughs> Urkel is a nerd. Urkel is a person. <laughs> no, you got me there. That's true. Urkel doesn't hide himself. Yeah. Although I will say this. Everyone in that show is The nerd pogrom. <laughs> wiped out all the nerds, Mr. Urkel. They are. They are so unimpressed by the fact that a robot is walking around when he makes Urkelbot. Everyone's just like, wow, you made a robot. Okay. This doesn't change anything. They're just more annoyed that Urkel shows up. <laughs> uh, so... He is a he is a veterinarian, and he also has a grandson. He also rides a skateboard, which is talked about a couple times, but we don't see it till the climax mm-hmm. when he is popping some ollies and gleaming some cubes, or as oh. they say in Scotland, we rode a lot of skateboards and some Gaga Gregogans. Mm-hmm. So we're introduced to his uh, grandson, who's this Jimmy Neutron type fellow. He looks very Jimmy Neutron-y, and we're introduced to him. He has just, he's he's got a very Wallace and Gromit style. Rube Goldberg device that <laughs> somehow moves a table. Can we apologize to the creators of Wallace and Gromit for yeah. you making that comparison? Uh, sorry, Nick, Nick Park, Park and, and all of Artman. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I, I jumped on you. No, 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 no. I had nothing to say other than to also identify who was responsible for Wallace. I gotta Gromit. say, talking about animation that holds up, Wrong Trousers holds up pretty well. Yeah. Actually, no, extremely well. Grand Day Out, it holds up okay. Not a lot of plot in that. Is that the that, one with the uh, cheese? That's the one they go to moon, the moon for cheese. They all have cheese in them. Yeah, that uh, penguin in uh, Wrong Trousers is amazing. In the, it's a, a master class in doing more with less. He may be my favorite movie villain <laughs> of all time. Just blinking. Just blinking <laughs> and, and just looking at things. But yeah. he's so sinister. Mm-hmm. And when he puts on that red rubber glove on his head and just pull, he just runs his hands through the <laughs> fingers like their hair and it flops back into place. Oh, scary. We should have watched that tonight, guys. Almost, really... almost we still as, can. It's like five minutes long, right? Uh, it looks like a half hour. Almost as scary as the rabbit boy that we see later on. Uh, we'll get to him. So Sean Connery is a veterinarian. That's all we need to know. He's going to take his grandson to school. That doesn't happen because adventure intervenes. The grandson has this elaborate <laughs> trapdoor contraption that he uses to bedevil his mom and his butler because yeah. he's rich. The, that kid's his technological or know-how never brought up again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this kid is set up. I don't know if you're if you're reading this movie. Well, you're at, doing it wrong. You should be watching <laughs> it. It's not a book. If you're reading it like someone who has watched a movie before, I feel like you're set up to believe that this child is going to be one of the major heroes of the film because you're like, all right, he's rascally. He's got like this even wascally. science knowledge. Like he's going to do he, something later he gets on. That's a big introduction. He does. Shit all. He does <laughs> the rest nothing. Of the he does much, nothing. Much to Dan's happiness yeah, and joy. You hated I took him an immediate first. dislike to this show. <laughs> I've never seen you hate a character so quickly. Uh, it just reminded Who me Who can of, hate a child? There are some Who can hate a child? There. I don't know. It just remind, reminded me of bratty kids that I have known. Bratty kids I have that known. That invent stuff. Did bedevil butlers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> bedevil butlers. The butler is so bedeviled that he is about to cut the kid's head off with a sword yeah. mm-hmm. before the mom intervenes. Uh, again, which would have continued, this movie is kind of, uh, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Kind of uh, relaxed 
attitude towards death mm-hmm. where they just it comes up surprisingly it's commonly. part of life elliot yeah it's a good point it's just That's the other this movie teaches us the other side of the coin mm-hmm. uh but a shadowy reflection <laughs> It's, I started to wonder, is this the movie adaptation of a TV show where each of these characters are, like, well-known characters? So, of course, they're going to get, like, big introductions, even though they don't play a big part in the movie. But I don't think like so. Like the Adventures no. of Buckaroo Banzai? Uh, I mean, kind of, that's not really based on anything, but kind of. <laughs> Wait, there wasn't a TV show? Uh, not really. Uh, it's kind of done as if there was some long series. Oh, okay. But, like, the way, like, if there was a Seinfeld movie... And Kramer did not play a major part in it, which would be crazy. Okay. He would even the scene. I mean, it would be tough nowadays. That's true. <laughs> let's say it was made in like 1990. It's Kramer and special guest Bill Cosby, everybody. <laughs> in the movie you're not going to see. Uh, they, they decided that they were going to try to beat inappropriate comedy for least amount of watches <laughs> by humans. Uh it's the, he gets this big build up and then he just is just around for the rest of it. But we should we should keep moving. We should keep moving because we're not yet done. We're yet not done even introducing the characters. There's also the New York lady's sister who is super busty and super, super sexy. I mean, they're both super busty, but this but one's one the is, sexy busty. But one. one is kind of stout busty, and the other one is you know you're is matronly. In, I think would have been. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. One is one is more uh, overly zaftig. You yeah. can say. Overly Rubenesque. <laughs> she eats too many. Paul Rubens. Rubens-esque. <laughs> Paul Rubens-esque. I dated this girl last night. Pretty Rubens-esque. Oh, nice, Paul Rubens-esque. It was. I don't know what that means. Horrifying. <laughs> she thought she was a six-year-old boy, and then she masturbated in the theater. Yeah, she did a dance where she pointed to her privates. It was uh, crazy. So she was a member of the Groundlings. It was weird. So. uh and she, her, she was a friend of the late Phil Hartman. Tragic, <laughs> tragic stuff. So she introduces her sister, who flirts with Sean Connery's character again. This doesn't come up again for almost the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. They've got to get this kid to school, but we return. Oh, then there's the policeman who's still wandering around years later <laughs> looking for the beaver. Then I kind of <laughs> wish, design-wise, they had made him look like a crazy homeless guy who had like stitched his <laughs> uniform together with. Uh, random trash he found because <laughs> because he's he's just lost sight of humanity he's like yeah, no yeah, longer yeah. part of human society because of his obsession yeah exactly uh he's kind of like uh the old connecticut folk hero the leather man okay who was a real man who as a uh, <laughs> former daily show writer rich blank was described was the missing link between caveman and hobo <laughs> And he was just famous for what? Walking around a circle, basically. He wore a leather suit and walked in the same circuit through Connecticut on a yearly basis, living in caves and begging pies and things, doing odd jobs. And uh, for some reason, there is a half hour (laughs) local PBS special on this guy that you have to see. That was my fondest Daily Show memory was when we had... It was like right before our break, and we just had nothing to do with ourselves. So we watched the half-hour documentary about the Leather Man, just about a hobo who walked in a circle, and people remembered about how he walked in a circle. And Rich Blomquist, uh, Mr. Kristen Shaw, uh, talked about how he, on a school trip, went out to see a cave where the Leatherman stayed. <laughs> Why did he say a Leatherman? It's a tool. Famous hobo. <laughs> like... Here, kids. <laughs> this is where a famous vagrant stayed. <laughs> this is educational, I guess. Because Connecticut doesn't have a lot of stuff in it. Yeah. Are we going to go to the nutmeg factory again? 
No, we got something else. We're going to learn how insurance is sold. Yeah. Boring. <laughs> so look up the leather man, I guess. Is the moral Be careful of that Google search. Can I, rec- can I do my recommendation now? <laughs> yeah. Don't yeah. just Google leather man. Go to YouTube and do go like PBS leather man special. Yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, so we're so barely into this movie. So, okay, the police. Luckily, uh, there's not much plot. The police officer's looking the for the beaver. Yeah, that's true. Then, okay. It's super straightforward. We're reintroduced to the beaver. It is storytelling boiled down to its quintessence. <laughs> yeah, it follows all of Aristotle's three <laughs> unities. Uh, there's uh, Bessie Boo the beaver mm-hmm. is living with these rabbits now. She's still a fugitive, except everyone knows where she is except the policeman. She's friends with everybody in town. Now, the rabbits do some kind of. And at this point, we realize that every single animal can talk. And the humans totally understand them. Yeah. So this whole, like, removing all the beavers and throwing them in cages and dying, that's crazy because those are sentient creatures you can interact with. Exactly. They're essentially furry humans, which for a lot of people is a sexual fetish come to life. <laughs> <laughs> but they're also, but here's the thing. The, whoever made this movie doesn't know what size beavers and rabbits are because they're roughly the size of, like, in this movie of, like, what, like, a small mouse? Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the beavers and rabbits can definitely be held in the palm of one hand. In one hand. Sometimes they're larger, sometimes they're smaller. Who knows? Yeah, they, they, yeah, they're, I, this, I mean, we're, li- we're living in a, in a universe of strange non-Euclidean geometry. Oh, they keep, uh, <laughs> they keep eating strange cookies that say eat me and drinking strange bottles that say drink me is yeah, the problem. That's, that was yeah. a major problem at the time, yeah. You remember, yeah, at I remember the time in Scotland. We're seeing those PSAs. Ah, <laughs> if you see children, if you see a wee bottle that says "drink me" on it, do not drink it. Do not drink it. Oh, that's great. You that's shall great be changing your shape. I found the cure for movies, but I lost it. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. No. <laughs> your size. I was it playing your game. The same as when you started. I found the cure for movies, but I lost it. I feel like that's like. <laughs> Back at like Carasodi Cinemas, that would be like something at that would what? <laughs> what? Carasodi Cinemas? I don't like, know what that is. There's a chain of movie theaters. Like okay. that would be one of the things. It's a regional that, like, movie carry theater. Carry Soda chain. Cinemas. That we would, do carry soda. Don't worry. You don't have to bring your own. That would be it's a not thing BYOS. That played before the movie, like it would be just, like Sean Connery would be like, I found the cure for movies, but I lost it. And you'd be like, I don't know what this is. <laughs> but they're sitting they're playing it before the Coca-Cola <laughs> commercial. You just reminded me of something that I hadn't thought of in years. Ellie really loves Coca-Cola. Well, one that I love Coca-Cola. <laughs> uh, so you, before movies at Lowe's cinemas, they used to show a thing about like scenes from movies where people are like, be quiet, be quiet. And they'd show the scene from, is it Murder by Death, where Peter Falk says, I, don't, I I'm gonna, I'm gonna, um, I gotta go to the can. Nobody oh, said yeah. anything. They, were, they would show the scene from the producers where Zero Mostel is screaming in Gene Wilder's ear and Gene Wilder's acting like his ears hurt. But they'd show it with the sound cut out, as if the joke was that Gene Wilder was pretending that there was a lot of noise. But in the movie, Zero Mostel is literally screaming into his ear. So, like, at the, I remember, I don't know why, but now that makes me really mad <laughs> that they manipulated that footage, I guess. I, mean, I don't even understand what the point they're making by changing it is. I don't know. So, I guess if you work for Lowe's... If you, if you used to cut... Pre-movie promos right for in, Lowe's. Right, the, right the in. And if you did the animation for the, the pre-movie thing where it's just giant candy floating in space, call me, because mm-hmm. I loved that. And, and if it, you did the drive-in thing that said, hello, young lovers, I like your work. <laughs> <laughs> 
Do you guys remember when Regal Cinemas used to actually show movie trivia that was for actual older movies? Because there was a, a clear delineation between when the Regal Cinema in my town first opened and started showing movie trivia before the movie, and it was actually like, you know, like famous older films. And then they just cut to movie trivia about whatever was about to be playing. Uh, like, I don't remember that. Will's, uh, Will Blank is, is Hancock. What, fill in the blank. <laughs> Who could it be? Who could it be? William Carlos Williams? <laughs> <laughs> the Dr. Bowen? Uh, so we should get back to this movie. Because, again, what's weird is we've done a lot of tangents in the episode, but this movie is crazy bonkers. Yeah. So we're introduced to a – this is the pod racing sport of rabbits where there is a giant – like a caber or a log that is tied to a – or not even tied. Like you stand on a disc and a caber goes down Like a, a trash tube, can type. And you've got to hold on to – reins and steer it this is somehow a rabbit sport and the beaver is not ready for it mm-hmm. says the rat says his like rabbit adopted brother who hates him but they say like give it a shot beaver and they're all making fun of his tail someone actually says like we'll find out what that thing attached to your butt does like they don't even know what a beaver is what it does anyway they he goes down a hill prematurely i guess and turns out to be the most amazing instinctual pod racer there ever was mm-hmm. the the rabbit half-brother is anger, angry by this, that his thunder has been I guess the Sebulba character. Yeah, yeah, he's totally Sebulba. And he goes off, but he screws it up. Uh-oh, and he's in danger. He starts hanging off a cliff. The mother rabbit, the one who adopted the beaver, goes to save him. They're both knocked over the cliff into the rushing yeah. waters below. We see on screen the mother rabbit falls to the bottom of the riverbed and hits her head on a rock and her motionless semi-corpse bobs up on the top of the stream and floats down. It is horrifying. The fact that you literally see her thump her head against a rock underwater. Yeah. Like, she could have just fallen in the water and then just bobbed up floating, but the movie was like, mm, let's show you that she's suffered brain injury. There's some kind of terrifying disconnect between the completely unrealistic uh, images you're seeing and the super realistic sounds you're hearing. <laughs> yeah. There's a part later where uh, where Gordon the goat, the Alan Cumming character, falls from a height onto the deck of a ship, and there's a thump sound where it's like, "Ooh, that's a little too real." <laughs> but uh, the be- uh, Bessie Bo- Bessie Boo Beaver decides, "I'm going to use my beaver powers of, I guess, swimming to save them." She dives off the cliff and falls in the water. Now, here is where I thought this was going to be like the opening incident of the movie that just shows you that what Bessie Boo is capable of and then we get on with the main plot no saving these characters from the river is the plot of the movie yeah and so it goes on and on and on this river must be roughly a thousand miles long Mm -hmm. because the characters have enough time to go to Sean Connery for help Sean Connery discusses the plan with everybody Everybody in town who seems on board with it. So again, except for except for the guy who hates beavers and the guy who owns the dam, the the dam that they're floating towards, who is the best character in the movie. Probably his name is Toph, and he is like the he he is like a rich dandy, he's like a duke or something. But again, it shows the disconnect between like the human characters uh, getting rid of these beavers, and then like I guess the fact that. All animals are humans. Well, in this look, world. that was a national law, and this is like a local I community thing. Hey, they're they're a beaver sanctuary town. Ah, so when a beaver commits a crime, it's the mayor of that sanctuary town that's going to be on the hook for it. <laughs> I guess Sean Connery, or I don't know. Who's I don't think he's the mayor. He's a veterinarian, but he seems to run the place. Just <laughs> yeah. well, it seems like one of and those. His daughter lives in the castle. 
It's That's one of true. those like uh, like Nietzschean type situations where out of a chaos of an ungoverned town, the naturally superior man, Sean Connery's skateboarding veterinarian, Sir Billy, <laughs> arises as the natural leader and people flock to him. Uh, he goes to the town and he says, I'm going to need everybody's help to save these two rabbits and this beaver. <laughs> so Everyone's on board with it. They're like, what can we do? How can we help? You duck in a plane. You're going to be our sir. You're going to go oversee and recon. Uh, everyone else split up and go to different areas. The duck sees, or someone just tells Sean Connery that the mother rabbit is lying motionless somewhere. And he goes and immediately diagnoses that she may be paralyzed. Yeah. He's talking <laughs> to the goat. Like, oh, I well, fear that if if she doesn't waggle her foot, she could be paralyzed. <laughs> and it's This after the goat sad. explains that the, the, the rabbit hit her head and is bleeding to death. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's right. They're told that the rabbit is bleeding out of, out of her head, so they have to go. And, and, and Gordon the goat is like, she's lost a lot of blood. <laughs> it's like, now, no kid's movie should include the phrase lost a lot of blood. That's just, I'm just going to say that's right off the bat. Yeah. Uh, it was, but in like, luckily, thankfully, they don't animate rivulets of blood pouring out of her skull. Or, thankfully, they do not make the rabbit actually paralyzed. <laughs> no, thankfully, they... <laughs> she does waggle her toe. The the doctors, the veterinarian's uh, medical uh, prescription of, I'm going to stand here and tell you to wag your toe and ask you really hard to do it, works. I was half expecting him to have to trepane her skull <laughs> to release the pressure on her brain. <laughs> to release the demons inside. Now, here's the thing. Gordon the Goat is dressed as Uma Thurman and Kill Bill. Is this Wiggle the Toe thing also a reference to Kill Bill? Oh, I can only wow. hope. <laughs> I have to believe that it would is. be horrifying. There's a bunch of random <laughs> movie bu- references thrown in here. I was going to, th- I was, I thought you were going to say because there's a bunch of rape in that part of Kill Bill. <laughs> so wait, oh wait, so oh that's hard. So I didn't even think that seems like a horrible reference for. A so you think Sir Billy, if she didn't move her toe, was going to sell her, sell a night with her to that's some right. some other creepy guy? Yeah, that's right. Oof. Gordon Goat is pretty lascivious, and he's a, he's like Sir Billy's hype man. Yeah, and he's kind he's just flamboyant and like sassy, but he's never really gay. He's and he just, just pansexual, kind of, like Alan Cumming himself, <laughs> like Pan, <laughs> the Goat Man. <laughs> That's where it comes from, I guess. Uh, like like uh, like Zamfir, master of the pan flute, <laughs> <laughs> the most pansexual man there is. <laughs> He's actually a flute sexual. <laughs> that's, that's oh, wow. He, yeah, he works his flute into his lovemaking. <laughs> oh, that sounds horrible. <laughs> anyway, so now that they've established that she is not paralyzed from the waist I'm trying to think yet. what Dario Argento movie that was. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's Zan Fair and Allison Hannigan from American Pie making love yep, together. Yep, All right, sorry. In a, I bet they, they would do that as an American Pie sequel, right? Sure. Why not? <laughs> American Pie colon Zamfir. <laughs> <laughs> the Zamfir mile. <laughs> uh, so, and for some reason, uh, Eugene Levy's still in it. For some no, reason. I, yeah. Cha-ching, that's the reason. <laughs> the Money, dollar. dude. Cash registers are sound. And because Eugene Levy bring puts butts in the seats, why do you think <laughs> yeah. bringing down the house was advertised <laughs> with, with a poster that had a word balloon for Eugene Levy saying, you've got me straight tripping, boo. Uh, Gets butts in the seats. What a crazy late career <laughs> that man had. He's still around. He can yeah, just no, no. still going. I love Eugene Le- Levy. I'm not saying anything bad about I mean, him. It's just so hard, bad that Eugene Levy couldn't hold out when Katrina hit. <laughs> <laughs> you seen Spike Lee's Nightmare yeah, when no, the levee broke? I, know, I saw that. <laughs> It's too bad. He was just standing there going, ah, water, oh, I, um, uh, uh, you got me straight drowning, boo. (laughs) That's horrible. Terrible. (laughs) 
Oh, sorry, this <laughs> it's, the, it's the anniversary of Katrina. <laughs> Not when we're this is airing. <laughs> The worst. Not when this. Not when you're releasing this. All right. Anyway, so it is sad. Anyway, so speaking of sad, this movie. So they've saved kind of the grown-up bunny, but you've still got a a kid beaver and a kid bunny who are in trouble. Luckily, somebody has a boat, and the and some of the ladies in town decide to go drive it to help them, and they manage to save them. Although the beaver almost gets sucked into the turbines of the dam that the rich guy refuses to shut down. Although to be honest. This is a huge public works project. It's powering the village. Are they really going to shut it down for who knows how long to save a beaver and a rabbit? I mean, but they're like living creatures, Elliot. They have hopes and dreams. I mean, the I don't... The wheels of progress are oiled with the blood of the innocent. That's true. But I, 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 we haven't seen, other than a pilot, we haven't seen any gainfully employed animal <laughs> characters. Although they all wear jumpsuits. So yeah. And is that their job or are they just... Like, is it a man or Astro Man type thing, or a Devo type thing, where they're in a band? Or yeah. What's the deal? Dan, uh-huh. what do you think? Um, Are they in a cult? Is it, it, is it to make them all look like weird uh, plucked turkeys? Just <laughs> assume it's a comfort thing. Sure. <laughs> I see. Um, so, anyway, they managed to save them at the last minute. Uh, but the moment upon saving the beaver, the goat... <laughs> Goes paralyzed and no, falls no, in the no, river. That came a little later. He has, so he gets on a boat. He, but no, even before that, he has a cramp. That's right. And falls in the water. That's how the goat gets on the boat because he has a cramp and falls off a dam into the water. They are all sure that he's dead, but then he swims to the boat. Then the boat, and this came out of nowhere, <laughs> is thrust into the air by a Russian submarine that it's mentioned in the text on screen is having nuclear reactor problems. <laughs> that is not mentioned again. Although perhaps it would explain why there's so many anthropomorphic animals in the area if there yeah. was a slow radiation leak that was just <laughs> changing the DNA. But uh, the Russian sub, uh-oh, suddenly they're in trouble. The goat has a plan that involves him hanging from a rope, catching a rope from the plane that the duck is flying. It, it flies him over around for a while, and he falls off on a dock, and when he hits the dock, he uh, is also seemingly dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, but meanwhile, and mean, like and, the and, two ladies who stayed on the boat with the Russian submarine are unharmed. Like the and Russian they submarine, are fine. Yeah, like the goat did not need to ju- like get on this uh, flying around rope. It was totally <laughs> unnecessary for him to get on the flying around rope. He just um, likes the adventure of life. But anyway. But then Sean Connery has flashbacks <laughs> to the life thinks, that he had with this goat. <laughs> Sean Connery thinks the goat might be dead. And yet he flashes back to raising the goat, which involved a lot of movie parodies, Singing mm-hmm. in the Rain, Casablanca. Uh, there was one, just a random Charlie Chaplin type thing. Yeah. Reading Identity Crisis. Reading Identity Crisis, which I assume is not the comic book Identity Crisis, but I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, we didn't pause it. There was some... It was just like he flashes back to his life with the goat, and then, but the duck manages to deliver special water from a part of the highlands, and that reinvigorates the goat, and he's back to life. But this is the. This water's been established as being magic, I'm guessing. This is what the. Not in the movie. Maybe I thought that's, what he, used, that's what he gave the, uh, the paralyzed rabbit. Oh, I assumed that was just whiskey or something. Oh, okay. But uh, yeah, he gives the paralyzed rabbit a little draught of something from a bottle. And the. So, but there's a theme in this movie of char- characters lying on the ground as Sean characters Connery's... Being welcome. It's <laughs> <laughs> the theme. Of, of characters lying on the ground, animals lying on the ground as Sean Connery bends over them and talks about the worst case scenario that they might be looking at. Very casually. I mean, like, sadly, but casually. Luckily, 
the goat man lives, <laughs> a sentence I never thought I'd say. Which, and you know what's weird is I made a joke about a man with the power of a goat in last week's, or last episode. All right. Ray Monaco. I should have saved it for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is, but that's when the police officer, who kind of disappeared for a while, convinces the Russian sub-captain to give him the beaver. They have to chase the police officer down. This leads to the skateboard chase that we've been waiting You're for. You're right. As Sean Connery rides his skateboard through the most depressing areas of Scotland. They're all industrial kind of wastelands. Oh, There's like Aberdeen. a military base. <laughs> Burn. You got burnt, Aberdeen. Take that, Aberdeen. Concrete city. Dan, do you know anything about Aberdeen? It's an ugly city. I mean, I don't know much about it either. been there once. Oh, you were there once? Yeah. What, did you, what were you doing there? Visiting a friend. It's no Edinburgh, I'll tell you that. Well, no, Edinburgh's a great city. Yeah. Glasgow's a nice city. Yeah. Not, Aberdeen, not so much. Okay, I've never been there. So, uh, but they end up in a in a UK Navy submarine dock mm-hmm. uh, where they're stopped by the real police who, are, who Sean Connery asks for five minutes alone with the policeman who wants to kick out all the beavers, and mm-hmm. then they can take him to jail. But up, the police officer is arrested for, I'm not sure. Partially since, impersonating a police officer. those beavers. Yeah, I guess. It, what's weird is that the movie made a point of establishing early on that it was national law that these beavers were not going to be introduced. So this cop is being arrested, I guess, for just being a jerk? Overzealous. <laughs> I guess that's it. You're not supposed to enforce the laws that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone celebrates with a big dance party. Sean Connery gives a kind of rambling speech. And then, the, but the dance, but the dance that happens is... The women of the movie, the three bustiest women. No, not the super bustiest, right? I think because doesn't one of them leave with Sean Connery? Well, no, I think that she, the, I think she still dances. Dance? Part of the dance. Oh, okay, never mind. Then. The three bustiest women do a sexy dance for a long time. A long time. There's a slow jam with <laughs> a sexy dance. <laughs> the entire movie stops for this, and yeah. then the the busty sister from New York goes off with Sean Connery, and Sean Connery's daughter... After she declares him guardian of the Highlands. Yeah, she says he's like a guardian of the Highlands. Which is reiterated by another character. <laughs> by his daughter, who goes, yeah, I guess he is like a guardian of the Highlands. It is the laziest way of getting the title <laughs> of a movie in. The only lazier way would be if they were like, you know, if they made a movie about this guy, they should call it Guardian of the Highlands. <laughs> but uh, he goes off with her and asks her if, he wants to, if she wants to see the sunset over the Atlantic from the most beautiful... Mountain in Scotland, in the Highlands, which means he's going to bang her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, his sister, no, his sister, his daughter, daughter, the mother of the little kid who has been forgotten by this point, his daughter says, oh, it's so glad he's found the happiness that he's been missing all these years. She's, she's you know, although she's, you know, it has A to character be, who we, seems certainly very happy the whole movie. Yeah. Yeah, he's never seems he's only un, he's barely unhappy when someone's about to die in front of him. And <laughs> <laughs> like even that only a like manic glee of only the insane. <laughs> it only slightly dampens his buzz that he's about to witness the death of his best friend the goat man. But uh, then uh she she says like too bad she's a yank although she does have quite the admirable chest. They don't breed them like that here. It is the weirdest moment. Yes. And uh then there's the credits and during the credits Oh, you, there's a couple different sequences. There's a sequence of, well, then the duck woman flies around for a while talking, and she just rambles on. And she winks at the camera. And at the end, she winks at the camera and flies away. Uh-huh. And if her scenes had been cut from the movie, because you could do that, it would just be the weirdest thing if a duck suddenly winked at the camera <laughs> and flew away at the end. But uh, Otherwise, I mean, it, it works totally uh, normally. Yeah, it makes, yeah, it makes perfect sense. So at the end, there are three end credit sequences. One is just... 
the duck lady in the plane, her plane stops working and she has to get it started again before she crashes. Which she we luckily assume does. was like cut from the film for time. Or, or it was like test animation to be like, hey, this duck character is a big deal. Let's show, <laughs> let me show the, the investors. <laughs> Let's start all working of on the sequel about, what was her name? Lucille? What was it? Vicky. Vicky. Let's start working on the sequel about Vicky the duck right away. Mm-hmm. Where maybe this was like a Vicky the Duck movie, and then they decided to change the focus when they got Sean Connery on board. Yep. But uh, they show that for a while. Then all the characters, without color, they just look like 3D models that haven't been colored in or put had textures put on them, walk out and give bows in front yeah, of the Yeah, they'll credits. do a curtain call. And then after that, we see a series of flashbacks that is this movie's version of the opening from Up, I guess, where you see Sean Connery romancing his wife as a young man, getting married, they have a daughter, she graduates, and then his wife is old and then dies. Yeah. And the last shot of it is literally Sean Connery with his hand on a like tombstone. Heading a grave. <laughs> with, Sadly. And, and behind him, the grave behind him, it looks like he's walking through the grave near the castle where Bugs Bunny met those witches <laughs> that turned into vultures. Like, this, it like is the most like yeah. cartoon hammer horror graveyard, and that's the last shot of the movie yeah, is the Sean mo- Connery mourning his wife <laughs> the movie ended the, the movie ended happily but it's like it felt like it needed to remind <laughs> us that it's like oh no no a yep. lot of sad stuff happened and it could happen to you at any oh, moment the grim <laughs> specter of death is hovering over you at all times <laughs> don't don't think that just because the movie is over they live happily ever after they lived happily until their time on this earth came <laughs> to an end and she's much younger than him so he'll pass before her and she will one, mourn him, sadly, and mm-hmm. two, be too old to marry again. And so live out her final decades alone, unloved, not knowing the touch of a man, again. Mm-hmm. Good night, children. Guardian of the High Vibes. <laughs> Guardian of the High So, like, this is, the animation's not as bad as Food Fight, but it's well, like, it comes, it comes close. And it's still, it looks like, whereas Food Fight looked like they animated the movie in, like, three days, this looks like, like they had a week to do it in. Oh, wow, okay. But uh, this, like, this is a bonkers movie, and I have to say, as like I was, it was so weirdly depressing and sad, and yet at the end, that shot—I don't think I've laughed harder in like a year than I did at that shot of him massaging his wife's tombstone. The feel-good shot of the year, raves Elliot Kalen. Sean Connery hilariously mourns his wife, says Elliot Kalen. Uh, yeah, we're here. Final judgments: Is this a good bad movie, a bad bad movie, or a movie kind of like? I'm gonna say. This is a good, bad movie. <laughs> it's 76 minutes. It's almost as crazy as Food Fight, but a little more easy to watch. It doesn't have the fever dream horror. I would say it's less crazy, but it's more. It's as silly as Food Fight. Yeah. So, or it's dumb. And, it, and it's faster. Like, it moves quicker. Yeah, that's true. It, it lacks a, an elderly gay bat. That, that's which true. No, I mean, had. it lacks the con- complete insanity of Food Fight. I'm not like, you, you know, if you want to see something that is going to make you you know weep for all mankind watch food <laughs> raves dan mccoy <laughs> i want them to put it on the back of the box so badly now but uh but this has some of the same qualities in that, a way that i enjoyed it's the moment when you realize they're gonna do a full dance number at the end with just all these like weird cgi swinging udders <laughs> And you're just rubbing your temples, kind of willing it to be over or to go on forever. You don't know which. You don't know That's the moment you realize it's a good, bad movie. Yeah. I would say good, bad movie also. I'd started bad, bad, but then it got good, bad fast. 
Hi, everybody. I'm Justin McElroy. I'm Travis McElroy. I'm Griffin McElroy. And we host the first podcast ever made, My Brother, My Brother, I Made. Every Monday, we put out the first ever advice comedy podcast ever. They found our podcast on Dead Sea Scrolls. We're the Hammurabi Code of podcasts, and we're ready to entertain you with jokes that we invented the first jokes. So join us every Monday on MaximumFun.org. You'll never crack our code, Dan Brown. Just try me. It's history in the making. And in the faking. And it's all yours for the taking. Uh, but now, we move on to everyone's favorite segment. Letters from listeners. You write them. We... Write them. Well, wait. No, yeah, we you dig re- your <laughs> Make up a word, Dr. Seuss. <laughs> uh, but, uh, We're running long, so we don't have time for a song that rhymed anyway. Let's go. So, the first letter. I'm like Nipsey Russell. First letter. Is, uh, First letter. letter. It's the letter. <laughs> the letter with the Midas touch. <laughs> and it goes like this. A letter's touch. Um, dear Peaches, say you're arrested for a murder you didn't commit. Or hey, maybe you did commit it. I'm not here to judge. Either way, you're entitled to legal representation. Which attorney from within all of fiction do you pick to defend you? Sincerely, Benjamin, last name withheld. I think I know, I think I know where Elliot's going to go with this. But, uh, uh, well, but you go first then. Uh, sure. A, uh, why not, why not Jimmy Stewart from Anatomy of a Murder? That's pretty good. I mean, I don't want to give any spoilers for that film, but, uh, pretty good, uh, pretty <laughs> he's good lawyer. A, but he's a pretty good lawyer. But like, <laughs> like many movies about lawyers, he loses at the end. <laughs> uh, and he plays jazz piano. I actually wonder who you think I was going to say, because I think I might say the same person Stuart was going to say. I was going to say Dan Fielding from Night Court. That's not who I was going to say, but that's a good choice. I was going to say Phoenix Wright, attorney of law. Overruled. Oh, I thought maybe you were going to go with Daniel Webster from your uh, one of your favorite movies. Here's the thing. Yeah, I guess so, but here's the problem. Daniel Webster, if you watch that movie, he's the hero, and he gives a great speech. He does not win that case on the merits. By all rights... Mm. That guy is the devil's property. He does some uh, legal tomfoolery. He kind of bamboozles that jury of the damned into releasing the guy for sentimental reasons. I don't. I mean, I feel like for the best sent- lawyer for sentimental is the reasons. The Pepe Le Pew cartoon. <laughs> he shows them a Pepe Le Pew cartoon and he says, "Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, in a world where a skunk can rape a cat, is what my client did really that bad?" And they said, "Release him." Uh, oh, the same way that uh, I don't like that. That's, in- that's a the, they can do that sentence. <laughs> I think so. We sentence him to release. Uh, we sentence him we, to full release. Yeah, we, we find the defendant, release him. Uh, uh, in Young Mr. Lincoln, even though it's based on on a true story, I don't like it because it makes Lincoln out to be kind of like a shyster lawyer who just bad, like badgers a witness into admitting they're not sure. See, I, I think that... Even though uh, he was kind of... I mean, he was a lawyer, so he had to do slick stuff. You that's know? the thing. I feel like you're uh, putting these moral judgments on these lawyers when I feel like it kind of makes me admire them more if they're working uh, I guess you're right. When, I, when, I'm, when I want to get off this charge for murdering you, I just... Mm-hmm. It's not that I've said Wait, too I, much. Ba- back up. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. It's not, we don't need to talk about that. Uh, you're right. I'm just looking for a guy to get me off. Um, and you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, I'm not necessarily looking for slam the... Slam that beaver. <laughs> I'm not necessarily looking for the uh, 
the most noble lawyer. So yeah, maybe I would go Daniel Webster. Or Dan Fielding. <laughs> sure. <laughs> On the subject of beaver slammings. two Dans. <laughs> so uh, the next letter. <laughs> and for our third Dan, Dan McCoy. Goes like this. <laughs> Dan in real life. Letter number two. I have to commend you on your recent discussion. Recent, that means, I don't know, it's like a hundred episodes Any time within the past century. <laughs> your recent discussion. <laughs> recent, of, in geologic terms, discussion. Rules. Time for, has strange properties of the Flophouse. <laughs> uh, rules for 90s uh, kids when it comes to watching softcore sex comedies and erotic thrillers. Your advice will no doubt provide guidance for those of us who operate in a world without dial-up. As a fellow pervasoid, I felt it would be beneficial to add my own rules to aid my fellow travelers. Rule number one. While at your local video store, check the back of the video boxes to determine a rental. If it's unrated, you've hit the jackpot. Beware of erotic thrillers with the Telltale R rating. This means horrifically edited sex scenes that primarily focus on windows set to unpleasant saxophone solos. Avoid at all costs. Yeah, go with an unrated movie like U-Turn. <laughs> <laughs> As an added bonus, if it's a horror movie that's unrated, that means there's a pretty good chance that there will be lots more gore and Cenobites. So don't be a dork and pass up that gold said that weird. That's true. Well, no, but it's true. Jack, uh, Jack Valenti <laughs> did put in a rule for the MPA that Cenobites equals an instant X rating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why NC-17 stands That sounds for- like a clip movie from Hell- of Hellraiser movies. <laughs> Cenobites of Cenobites. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's what NC-17 stands for. No Cenobites for anyone under 17. <laughs> Rule number two. As Elliot suggested, USA Apple Night can be even better than some of the stuff you'll find at your local video store. Remember, the censors can blur out breasts and they cut out sex scenes, but for whatever reason, they can never got around to, they never got around to thongs and G-strings. May God bless them for their oversight. Rule number three. For the curious, the world of softcore sex comedies and erotic thrillers can prove to be an exciting learning experience. <laughs> Did you know that the memorable sex scene in Payback, which features Joan Severance and a mustachioed C. Thomas Howell going at it on top of a kitchen counter, what? is a witty homage to the remake of A Postman Always Wings Springs Twice, featuring Jack Nicholson and Jessica Lange? Congratulations. Now you're a film historian. Rule number four. This is by far the most important rule. If you stay up all night watching HBO and the you hopes... Stay up- all night. <laughs> Watching HBO in the hopes of catching inside Club Wildside and instead get watch, get stuck watching Autopsy 4 or an inside look at the making of The Late Shift. Never fear. <laughs> if you last a little while longer, you can either catch The Adventures of Tintin or Babar coming on at around 5 a.m. Even in defeat, you could be a winner. Josh, last name with that's a, so That's a very lived rule, that last yeah. one. Yeah, that that yeah, that is a lived-in email. I mean, at the very least, maybe an episode of Dream On is going to come on, mm-hmm. where you can yeah. watch HBO First Look, The Hudsucker Proxy. You can watch Brian Ben Ben running around and mugging, and then one set of breasts, maybe, or two, possibly, if it's yeah. in the same scene. Oh, yeah, you sure star Brian Ben Ben. I mean, he started in America's sweetheart. <laughs> I mean, really, the start of that show was breasts and old public domain television clips. Um, Those were some very well thought out rules, and uh, if only I had known them when I was fourteen, on instead a, of having to find them myself. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I believe these two emails were referring back, perhaps to the same episode. This is from Mark's. Which, Mark, which letter is this? Mark last three name or four? Uh, who knows? Numbers have lost this on number three. Now. From Mark last name withheld. 
It's titled Knopfler. Bikini Movies. What? <laughs> bikini Movies. Get out of here. Mm-hmm. It's titled Bikini Movies. <laughs> Keep talking. Yeah. Dear Floppers. I was flo- I was I was following. I was following your advice. That's my favorite Kevin Bacon show, the following. <laughs> it's about a guy who follows a flock of birds. Because one of them is a killer. Mm-hmm. I was following your advice about finding a good movie, looking for keywords like school, academy, and especially bikini. With this in mind, I sat myself down, got myself comfortable, and readied myself to watch what was sure to be a raucous ride to boob boob town. With bikini atoll nuclear test footage in color. <laughs> no. Now, normally this sort of thing isn't my particular cup of tea. First off, there was no sound. This was easily remedied by putting on an old Herb Alpert Tijuana brass LP. <laughs> second, second, there were no boobtacular ladies to be seen. Not even a single person of any kind. Instead, I bore witness to the ultimate perversion. Man using his clever creative brain to wreak ultimate havoc upon the world. I give it an 8 out of 10. So that was from Mark last now, name. Withheld. When all that test footage of model houses being destroyed by the A bomb and their roofs being torn off, is that really that different from the end of Zapped? Yeah. When he's using his mental powers to rip it's, ladies' dresses thing, yep. off. He learned. There's that moment in the in at the end of Zapped where he merges with uh, like a singularity and he joins time itself and he <laughs> finds Tetsuo on the other side. <laughs> in Ketsuhiro Otomo's Zapped. <laughs> he learned that there were no bikinis. At all, Why? Dan? I think uh, this. Well, I, th- I think wow, this I didn't realize letter- Noel Coward was here. <laughs> <laughs> can't see, you can't see this at home, listeners. But Elliot was about to move his uh, his glasses in and out, and I whoa, like a boy yoing sort of thing. Yeah. Are we on? This is letter number four, right? This is letter number four. So, letter number four. You're the fourth letter. That means you win two tickets to. Agent 47. <laughs> Wait, what? Just come on down to the Flophouse and pick up your two tickets to a screening of Agent 47 now in theaters. I don't understand. We didn't agree on this. <laughs> so <laughs> I bought two tickets to Hitman Agent 47. <laughs> and I'm trying to unload them. I mean, usually when, usually when you buy movie tickets, you can't just use them for whatever. Wait, it doesn't have my fucking name on it. <laughs> Fine, you can take my ID with you. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> That's it's not, not the object- multi-pass. <laughs> not the objection that I was bringing up. That, by the way, that fucking multipass is available. You can buy the original <laughs> multipass they they use to. Uh... <laughs> That's right. Uh, uh, Stuart, you brought up an interesting point before, though. Which is, why has no one on the internet done a zapped Akira mashup? I don't know. Laziness. Have <laughs> <laughs> to assume. So this last letter of the It evening. reminds me of the time I had to go to Twitter to personally request somebody make an animated gif of Boba Fett falling in the Sarlacc <laughs> with the text, nothing but Fett, on the top of it. That, how that didn't... How, how long did that take? I, I took somebody probably three minutes. But the fact that I had to demand that from the internet didn't already exist. Come on. Shocking. Uh, last letter. Dearest Peaches. There's a Simpsons Akira mashup comic book. I mean, yeah. come on. That's true. Dearest Akira. Dearest Peaches, I'm afraid the package of hand-stitched underwear personalized for each view that I mailed was returned to me as undeliverable. Is 444 Flophouse Drive, Flophouse, New York, not correct? Mm-mm. I have now mailed the package <laughs> One, two, to... 123 Fake Street. 555 <laughs> Flophouse Way. <laughs> Flophouse America, Flophouse USA. In Flophouse case... USA would totally have been our TV show. <laughs> which was a still, dance party show. Still could be. Do not go to that address to pick up your Hitman tickets. <laughs> Hitman Agent 47 in theaters now. I feel like Stuart's 
getting a taste of Hitman 47 that we're not we're not getting to wet our beak in the same way in this that cheddar. In case they don't make it through, I will describe the underwear to you. First off, they are all tidy whities Now for Dan, hand-stitched across the butt in a fart cloud, the word sigh. For so Elliot, that's where the sighs come from. Hand-stitched across the crotch, here's the deal. For Stuart, hand-stitched across the crotch, reminder to self, do not rip off own ding-dong. <laughs> but now, it's got to be upside down so he can read it. Oh, might, no! <laughs> you might think this is too many characters across a person's crotch. And you'd be right. For your average man, there's plenty of material in Stuart's underwear. Aye. You better believe it. Long I like them baggy. <laughs> I like my Teddy Whitey's extra baggy. BJ yeah, last like, name. There's room like down there. Walter White style. Uh, I like to think that it's like the inside of the houses in uh, Rats of Nim. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so thank you. Uh, thank you for that underwear we didn't receive. But the, the descriptions almost make it worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm wearing them right now. That uh, doesn't disqualify you from sweaty. the Hitman Agent 47 contest, so by the way. Instead of wearing the underwear of a dead man. What? I had to have an underwear transplant. And they gave me the underwear from a serial killer. Oh, no. At night, I think my butt has been murdering people. <laughs> That's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. <laughs> but I want to watch the rest. But only once every couple of weeks when I'm wearing that pair of underwear. You're going to pay for the whole seat. Wait, how often do you wash your underwear? I've got a lot of pairs of underwear to avoid underwear okay. washing. Like multiple drawers worth or just one big one? Yeah, multiple one, drawers. One big drawer. <laughs> it's underwear. <laughs> oh, boy. Anyway, as I was going to say about my underwear transplant movie, you're going to pay for your whole seat, but you're not going to use any of it because you're going to walk out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Dan, tell us more about your extensive underwear collection. I, I, which you, you realize is literally you a act thing that's if you have a headache from me talking about it. When Stuart asked me about it, I didn't bring it literally up. Literally, as characteristic that Tom Servo has in Mystery Science Theater 2000, the movie, to show that he is boring. <laughs> <laughs> I always said that I felt like I was sort of a Tom Servo character, but no one believes that's me. That's true. I think you're the host, though. I think I think Stuart's crow. I'm Tom, and you're the you're the human. Oh, I think you're crow. Uh, I can be the human. If I'm not Tom, then I'm Joel. Yeah, well, you're more Joel than Mike, yeah. yeah. Except you're Midwestern like Mike. Maybe. Like Mike. Yeah. The hit movie. Yeah. About the kid with magic shoes. Yeah. I'm sort of a Joel Servo combo. Who's the bad guy in that? Crispin Glover? Is there a bad guy? Yeah, Crispin Glover, I think, is the bad guy in that. It's hard to imagine a bad guy. Christopher Walken's the bad guy in the Country Bears movie. (laughs) Yeah, well, that there's a bad guy in that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> of course there's a bad guy. That's the thing. In the world of, of opposites, when you have a alpha and omega, when you have a power for good as strong as the, the fucking country bears, you need an equally powerful force of evil to oppose them. Otherwise, it won't make sense. There won't be balance in the universe. The weird thing is he's playing the same character he played in Annie Hall, Diane Keaton's brother. Yeah, that's the strange thing. He grew up and became the evil villain who's going to stop the country bears. <laughs> Some jamboreeing, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Dan, how come they never made a a movie out of the Kitchen Cabaret? What's that? You don't know what the Kitchen Cabaret is? I don't. Oh, it's one of those animatronic shows they used to have at Disney where a lot of foods would come out and sing about different types of nutrition. That sounds fantastic. It's the whole video's up on YouTube when you're done watching The Leatherman. Go, go look it up. Once again, don't Google Leatherman. <laughs> don't, don't Google do. Leatherman. I mean, you know. Yeah, Dark why not? Cave. I don't know what you're into. Yeah, sure. No, you're right. Yeah, 
Uh, so now is the time on the on the flop house where we recommend a movie that we saw recently or not so it's recently called Guardian of the Highlands <laughs> that we liked that you should watch instead of wasting your lives like we do. Uh, Stu, you. I'm going to recommend a big fat recommendation. <laughs> I'm going to recommend a four hour documentary titled Never Sleep Again. It's a documentary about uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. It's on uh, Netflix right now, so you can watch it for free. Just drag it over into your little queue. If you're already paying no, for Netflix. That's not how it works. And then you <laughs> click on the uh, watch, watch it now. Okay. And then it will uh, show up in your email inbox. <laughs> no, you click accept, of course. Do not click disagree. <laughs> so click accept, and then the movie will begin streaming. The two options are accept or disagree. <laughs> <laughs> and then what you need to do is jack in. So you uh, yeah, just free jack into that. Yeah, free jack into it, and it'll begin streaming directly in. Just contact your shadow runner and your wetware. <laughs> it's wetware because it's built into your body. It would be hardware if it was outside. Yeah. Um, so just set it up on your existence system. Now, part of the reason I recommend this is because it's great, and another reason is because it's uh, it's a great. You know, it's all about the history of Nightmare on Elm Street, so it's great to see like an in depth look at a fairly important horror franchise. Um, it's great to see interviews with uh, Wes Craven, who just passed away recently. Um, and it's great to see Wes Craven both talk very enthusiastically about the nightmare films that he worked on and also kind of how like classy he was when talking about the stuff that he didn't agree with, like the stuff in nightmare two and et cetera. Um, and of course anything, any moment that, Ro- uh, Robert England is on screen in this thing is fucking pure gold. Cause that guy is a treasure. Yeah. Um, also watch people under the stairs. That's another, uh, Wes Craven movie. That's uh, two recommendations there because that's the original leather man. If you ask me, mm. Wes Craven, no, the bad guy in people under the stairs. He's dressed up in like a weird leather daddy outfit, even though he came like a hundred years after the original leather man. The hobo that went How long? I don't know the fucking story of the leather man. <laughs> I haven't watched this documentary. You are in for a treat, my <laughs> <Yeah>. friend. <laughs> he likes begging for pies <laughs> and living in caves. Didn't like people that much. Might have been French. Uh, I wanted to recommend a movie. I uh, Sorry, we're out of time. I liked so much. I forgot to recommend it last week. This is what I was going to recommend. Um, it's called Cop Car. Uh, it Cop Car? Barely, Cop Car. It barely got a theatrical release. It's. I think it's. it's theoretically still in theaters somewhere. But you, I saw I it on it's doing a, it's doing a lot of business streaming. From yeah, what I hear. streaming is is where I saw it, and it stars uh, Kevin Bacon as oh, a uh, he's a car. He's a sheriff. He's a corrupt sheriff who loses his cop car that has a body in the trunk to two children who come across this car and steal it as sort of just. You know, like they're little kids. They're like, oh, it's cool. We found a cop car abandoned. Like, this is ours now. We can pretend we're cops. And uh, the Kevin Bacon is great in it because he walks this line between being uh, very menacing and sort of like this panicked buffoon who lost his police car and is doing everything to get it back. But he, but the ways he tries to get it back, he's like, he's a, he's a very smart villain who is in control of the situation until he's not until like things get away from him. Uh, 
And it's a movie that's sort of similar to something like Blood Simple or Blue Ruin. It's not as good as either of those quite, but it's, you know, a young or I don't know how young, but a new filmmaker like doing a stripped down thriller uh, to sort of show what he can do and what he can do is very impressive. And also one of the things that's kind of thrilling about the movie is that it's really not afraid to put small children in danger <laughs> which is a trigger for a lot of people but if you if you kind of enjoy that sort of ruthlessness in your thriller like it's you enjoy it, seeing kids in danger yeah no, I mean, watch like, goonies dude look, it, it, <laughs> no it, i know what it you ups mean. the stakes of the film it's not yeah. afraid to it's pull not afraid punches. To, yeah. watch the witches <laughs> they're so. all in all the only people in trouble there are kids and and witches spoiler alert the uh and the director of that uh, cop car got him the uh Amazing, the next Spider-Man movie oh, directing really? gig, yeah. yeah. Because that's the way movies work now, is someone shows promise in a small movie. And yep, then now. This and is then, the first time they're ruined, it works. they're ruined by some huge superhero or monster franchise. Yeah. But I, I really enjoy the movie a lot. So that's my I'd like to see that one. Uh, I have two movies I recommend real quick. One new and one old, but both about guys with emotional instabilities, and mental instabilities. Mm -hmm. uh, the first is a movie that's out now called The End of the Tour, uh, starring Jason Siegel and Jesse Eisenberg, about uh, David Foster Wallace, an author who I have not read that much of, I have to admit, but this made me more interested in reading his stuff, uh, and is just a, a... But you always complain about his outfits. Yeah, well, part of the reason I never read his stuff was because I hated the way he dressed, which is shallow <laughs> of me, uh, and I felt especially bad after he committed suicide. But, uh, hey, look, I don't like guys with long hair with bandanas and stuff, you know. But anyway... It he knows what you likes, and it's not that. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's for sure. But uh, I thought it was a really good movie about two guys who are creative individuals who are not getting out of their creative output what they think they should be getting or what they hope to get for uh, Eisenberg's character, it's fame and attention and respect. And for Jason Siegel's character, it is Dave Foster Wallace, it's, I guess, emotional wholeness, you know, or a feeling of, uh, of belonging in the world. Uh, and the movie is mostly just conversation between these two people as they go, as Eisenberg, who's a reporter for Rolling Stone follows David Foster Wallace at the end of his book tour for infinite jest. And uh, I thought it was really good. The only thing I didn't like about it was at the end, uh, there's music used on the soundtrack in a way that I found overbearing and emotionally manipulative. But until that moment, I was really enjoying it a lot. Uh, it's that Third Eye Blind song, right? <laughs> you know, that's exactly the one. Uh, and uh, but I, and I'd recommend that. The other movie I'm going to recommend real quick is an older movie called Mirage with Gregory Peck and Diane Baker and Walter Matthau, which is a. It was directed by Edward Dimitrik, who was kind of a kind of second-tier Hollywood director, never one of my favorites, although he has a good eye for shadows. Uh, and it feels very much like a Hitchcock-type movie, and it was written by the same guy who wrote Charade right after Charade. And Walter Matthau and George Kennedy are both in it like they were in Charade. And it's not quite as good as Charade, and in many ways it's almost like a not-quite-as-good Manchurian candidate. But uh, Gregory Peck is an American kind of New York businessman type in the mid-60s. He realizes that he doesn't remember anything about his life before a certain day and has to figure things out because he's on the run and some people are trying to kill him. Like Jason Bourne. Uh, kind of, except with a lot less shaky camera. Okay. Uh, there are a lot of the exteriors were shot on location in New York, so there's a lot of great 
footage of New York in 1965 uh, or 64, whenever they shot it. Uh, and it's just a, there's a lot of good, funny lines in it and good scenes. It's one of those movies where it's much better before you know what's going on. Uh, where like it's great to see Gregory Peck just being confronted by strange things and people trying to stop him, and he doesn't really know what's going on. Uh, but it's still enjoyable all the way through. Uh, anyway, so it's not the most amazing movie in the world, but I enjoyed it a lot. All right. Fine. We did it. All yeah. three of us. We <laughs> Together. certainly did. Five movie recommendations. Um, Six did. if you count Guardian of the Highlands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> An embarrassment of riches. Mm-hmm. Um, so pull up Netflix. Oh, God. And just zoom in. <laughs> Tell your computer to enhance. Enhance the computer. Okay, now turn around. Good. Okay. okay. Slower. Uh, wow. <laughs> Now use your little power glove to grab onto the Netflix button. Okay. Drag it into your main menu. Okay. No, you're you're going to have to go through a virtual world and open up a virtual filing cabinet to find the file for the movie. You're going to want to bing that title. <laughs> Come on, Dan. Enough of your crazy nonsense. Yeah. Why don't we just ask Jeeves about it? <laughs> Why don't we just pets.com this thing? <laughs> Uh, well, it's been it's been fun, then guys. It's been a wild ride. Oh yeah. yeah, urban fetish. Our first <laughs> uh, small timber movie of the year. Small timber, and it's been a kind of a great bikini off road adventure for us. Uh, but we have to say goodbye for now. For the flop house, I've been Dan McCoy. This guy is Stuart Wellington, and over here, Elliot Kalen saying thanks for listening all the way through. Good night, everyone. Fart. <laughs> Thanks for ruining that, Stuart. We had a nice thing and you ruined it. Wow. So, man, we got some sizzle reel material here. (laughs) The reel is sizzling. Tight tight five. Okay. I don't think that means what you think it means. (laughs) It's five minutes of sizzling reel. (laughs) Yep. Real sizzling. So, tonight we talked about... We talked about? Isn't that... Yeah, let's do Hasn't happened yet. Don't pass tense. Why don't you start off? Uh, wait, so I say, tonight on the Flophouse, we talked about... No. <laughs> we haven't talked about it yet. Okay. <laughs> wait, I got it. Tonight on the Flophouse, we watched about <laughs> Guardian of the Highlands. Yeah, we went on Walkabout, <laughs> and we saw a weird movie with beavers and rabbits <laughs> and Sean Connery. Um, No. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. Welcome to Oh No, Ross and Carrie. Ross. Hi, Carrie. What do you think is creepier? Okay. You jump into a swimming pool. All of a sudden, the water goes away, and instead of water, there is the bones of your dead ancestors. Ew. Or mm-hmm. our show. That's pretty tough, because we visited a live exorcism. We joined the Ordo Templi Orientis, where we had to worship a naked lady. Oh, and we joined that Tony Alamo cult. Dope. They were scary. Super creepy. We joined the Ethereum Society. We tried penis enlargement, or at least oh, I did. Oh boy, I tried breast enlargement. We have basically done every creepy, weird, fringe thing, except for thousands more, which we will get to if you listen to our show. I'd still say the swimming pool with my ancestors' bones. Well, and I don't even know if people should listen. I guess they shouldn't. But if you want to, we're at maximum fun, and the show's called Ono Ross and Carrie.